Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. the place for people in between beginner and master of craft and career. Today, I have my first guest, my good friend, Joel Stephen Fleming. How are you, buddy? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm real good. I'm real uh, excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being my first guest. Thanks for having me, man. Now, um, Joel is a Brisbane-based director, writer, producer, and filmmaker associated with 13th Street Films. Is there anything you would uh, adjust to that description? Uh, I would like to be a jack of all trades. We're now doing um, plays. Uh, really? So jumped into that for short and sweet this year. Yes, you have. So we just keep adding more strings to the bow, as they say, creatively. Um, yeah, podcaster as well. So I don't know. Yeah, anything like in the creative field, we're kind of into as a small company in Brisbane. Yeah. Mm. Um, so your your podcast, by the way, um, which I will plug in at the end, is inside the actor's studio apartment. Yes. That's correct. And uh, make sure you have a listen to that one after this. Um, so we'll jump right in. Um, now, you are some of the people that you work with, um, and a lot of the um, people you've, you've met have been through uh, uni. Yep. So where did, where did you study? So Griffith uh, University at South Bank in Brisbane has a specialized film school. Um, all sorts of classes and really high-level equipment and uh, teachers with great experience. So it's probably, I'd say, one of the best places to go in Brisbane for film school. And when did you study again? Uh, we finished 2017, I think. So th- I think 15 to 17, three-year course. Mm. And... Um... Uh, and you focused did you, did you want to be a director the whole time you were there or did that come later on through the process of studying or for me it did um i've been doing like film related stuff uh kind of self-taught as a teenager already back in the early days when none of this tech was any good and your programs would crash and all that stuff but i've always been interested in creative writing as well so for me it's always a, like a writer director i um I have never directed someone else's script until literally tomorrow I am doing that. <laughs> so it's going to be a first and it's going to be interesting. But yeah, it comes from creative, uh, like, you know, need to like tell a story. Um, in film school, you, you do kind of specialize, um, group, you know, group assignment to group assignment, which is little short films, but you, you start to specialize more in second year and through and, you know, do specific classes for what you're into. So I did, yeah, everything that was writing and directing, I did. Because that actually is is leading me to my first kind of like proper question, um, which is about uni. Because there is um, there's an opinion I've heard a lot of 
more recently, which is that uh, for creative, creative arts jobs and careers, um, that uni is not necessarily necessary. Um, okay. And I wanted to know, I, I, in comparison to like a doctor. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I actually still am, am trying to figure out if I agree with that or not. But I wanted to know if you, what your thoughts on university in general, but but mainly in regards to what you're doing. Because from what it sounds like, you were already doing stuff when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what, if there was a main thought or decision that was, I'm going to study this. Yeah, so I think, uh, obviously, if you're a doctor there's high stakes, you know, if you've got people who can die on your watch or a surgeon or something like that. But um, as an artist, there's a lot of, I get you that there's, it's kind of more of a debate because there's so many different ways to make art and, uh, you know, styles of every art. I think for me, you know, the passion is the first thing. It's the forefront. If you don't have that, there's no point. You know, you're not going to film school to be rich, especially in Australia. You're not going to think... Um, that you're going to be a millionaire because of film school. It's got to be very passion-driven. Um, for me, I was always into it since I was a kid. Um, you know, kind of long sideways journey to get there as a mature age student to actually do it. And I think it really, um, you know, changed everything for me, like professional level, you know, coming up as far as whatever I didn't know that I thought I could learn on the internet or whatever. There was so many things. And then the other great thing about um, like film specific degrees is you need to get have that network of crew to interact and work yeah. with and help. You all help each other. You all volunteer time to each other's things. Mm. And so that's what happened now is like a great group of colleagues and that's really important. Mm. As well as that like kind of um, can, that network that the, the uni teachers have and all the experiences you can do through that like going uh, trips overseas and things like that. So I think it it's necessary um, more so in film than other arts maybe, but that's from my limited knowledge of, you know, how the other arts industries work. Yeah. Would you say that all or the majority of kind of your core crew are people you met either at or through uni? Yeah, definitely. So basically I think our, most of our crew, yeah, probably like 90% is always from our exact uni. And then you'd say like 70% of that is our, you know, cohort year level. So you get really bonded with those guys mm. because you go through this shared experience and this, you know, especially in third year, you do these um, bigger projects that take a lot of time and preparation and you all work on each other's again and you're all exhausted and it's a very like a family style thing. And that's what mm. I always say about film crews is you become like a weird family yeah. between the cast and the crew and everyone and you just force together and you have to get along and that's you know that the bond is like created just like a family hmm. yeah because um that's 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 fairly true for for i reckon a lot of actors um to that they form like theater groups with a lot of the people they go to uni with and um even like most of the the, the acting friends that i know that are interested in screen or that do screen as well um go out of their way to try and do griffith stuff um because it was actually i remember um i remember seeing shani shani mm-hmm. tones um doing a film i can't remember what year and i thought i have to do a, a griffith grad film because they're really high quality yeah I, it's, if, I even felt odd calling them student films because student films have a bit of a bad rap and sometimes for a good reason 
<coughs> but those, yeah. it's those, a bit of a uh, cliched name. Like a sh- when you hear a student film, people yeah. are like, oh. Yeah. Mm. But but that that that's what drew me to to try and act with Griffith students, and then that's how I met um, Jake Jake Doak, and that's sort of how we got in touch a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, and even um, even how that's actually hit the first time I experienced Ryan Hance. <laughs> there we <laughs> Saw are. him in a Griffith film and I thought, I want to be friends That's with that That's a guy. big personality kid, yeah. Ryan Hance. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so, yeah, even if it's not entirely the... Because um, the, I, I, I personally feel that way, that with a lot of creative arts at uni, the networking can, it will sometimes should be the main thing because mm. it's, it's hard to make it a curriculum... It's hard to make a creative arts career yeah. out of an academic process, mm-hmm. I find. Definitely. The, with film, because there is there is an industry to it, obviously in Australia it's limited, There, there's so many different roles, so you can really learn things that you wouldn't learn mm. um, on smaller you know, indie sets because you do get that kind of experience of a big set that, where, where they do those grad films and you have like 20 people in your crew, so you're doing all these different tasks. And also what Griffith does a lot better than other unis as far as i know is you make a lot more films so you learn from doing you make the mistakes you next time you try and fix that mistake you make a new one and you know that's just life that's like any schooling you know yeah but yeah you can't devalue education you know you learn a lot from all these different experienced uh you know tutors some are very theory based and to get you into like the you know psychology of film and the mm the great films of Europe and things that yeah, like most young people these days would never think to watch that, you know, they kind of force fed them Yeah. all the Scandinavian filmmakers and the Fellinis and whoever else from those fifties and up kind of postmodern era. Yeah. And we, that stuff, yeah. they learn techniques and ideas they never would have contemplated, um, you know, and thought to put in their own little shorts before. Yeah. We like, we had the same thing with, with actors and plays and, and films from, decades and sometimes centuries ago that we would have never kind of stumbled across otherwise being curated by people that you know work in that industry and that's that's the thing that they love and and that's that's not necessarily something you can teach yourself on the internet yeah it's there's so many things that you know good about the technology but there's something to that connection yeah of like engaging <clears throat> even in a group experience of we watch this film that most of the kids are like what the fuck did I just watch <laughs> and then you okay what, let's talk about it what did you think what yeah. did you, why did you hate it or whatever and that's there's something to you know be said about that real life group engagement that tribal experience you know mm. yeah for sure um, so while you were there you did you did. You had slightly different focuses, mostly writing and directing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, with a lot of the things you do with Thirteenth Street and the different avenues you're exploring, like plays, for example, um, I'm curious how your, um, as a director, maybe more so, but how have uh, how has writing and producing affected your directing, or kind of vice versa? Because you do a few different things. I'm sure there's a carryover and a bit of bleeding over into the mm-hmm. other things. Definitely. Do you have you um, have you found that it's more valuable to uh, 
not even just on a base level, but in a slightly deeper level, learn more about those other um, crafts and, and actually involve yourself in doing them. Definitely. So because we run uh, 13th Street as a business, um, we try and make profit just so we can make what we want to make and make the art, make the narrative stuff that we are passionate about. So I've had to learn a lot about the kind of ins and outs of serious organized producing of, you know, getting permits and Mm. scheduling and budgeting and all the things that a director usually doesn't want to do. And Mm. I still don't, you know, enjoy it, but you know, you have to do it to achieve the result of like making whatever it is. So we shoot television commercials and stuff like that with big budgets and complicated sets and stunts and da da da. You've got to learn, you know, the the ins and outs. Otherwise, if we were paying producer, we'd be losing all our profit margin. So basically, yeah. Sean and I, my partner, do a lot of extra jobs and take on, you know, wear a lot of different hats mm-hmm. to get anything made that we make. Just like, um, you know, Riggleton or something that we're producing. Yeah. As a little company, that's a huge scope project takes a lot of different like skills and you trying to pick them up as you go and it's just um work hours just the passion to work harder and longer than anyone else to make it happen yeah because it's um it seems like from so for example um from an actor's perspective there's been this long um i'm not sure if it's a trope or what what it is but the triple threat right Mm -hmm. the singer actor dancer or whatever basically you can't be a one-trick pony. If you are a one-trick pony, you'd be the best damn trick pony there is. Yeah. And for you, that seems... I'm, I'm curious whether that was more out of desire and curiosity or whether it was more out of necessity or if that depends on the thing. It's Well, in a way, when you're a director, if you... Uh, especially at an indie scale, you have to be across everything anyway. So you're partly involved in everything the producer's doing and they're talking to you about every aspect of the film usually that's you know in their kind of wheelhouse you're talking to the dop about their area the production designer whatever so you kind of are always this overseeing figure so it's just doing more of that stuff and it is a necessity really for doing the producing stuff i i don't have the passion for it and i'm i can be organized and get things done but i'm not the you know the best with that kind of structure because i am a creative weirdo that wants to you know go off on a tangent and write Mm. for 10 hours on my new idea instead of do the paperwork thing that I have to do. So, you know, there's like the thing of disciplining myself and making myself more professional in a way as well. Cool. So, yeah, some of them are... uh, Some of them are more the desire to do that and some of them are more the discipline to make things happen. Yeah, I'd say like if, you know, no one else is going to do it in most cases, then I have to because I want the end result. It's Mm. just that grind of doing that bit to get to do the bit I love, which is directing guys like you getting in that scene on set. And I love the energy of set and that's where I want to be. If I could direct every day, I would. Mm. Cool. Um, alrighty. Well, you, I've, um, one, I've had the first hand experience of being involved in, uh, 13th street social media, mm-hmm. um, from a combination of my faces in some of the stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and also being involved in uh, promoting things and sharing things. And um, and I, I guess this is almost a job in of itself because there are people that do promotion and marketing. And um, for, for you, I'm curious what you've learned about utilizing social media as a, as a maker. I'm just going to use that term as a broad uh, umbrella. Um, mm-hmm. and, and how 
how do you like to convey um, instructions? Sounds too harsh, but for to share uh, like a message. Yeah, share the message with um, with your cast and crew to then and share that with an audience because the um, for example, me working with you, the cast of Riggleton and, and Summer School have all been involved in the social media. They're not mm-hmm. they're not being whipped to whip ups and stuff but um you know the uh the group effort um and getting more eyes on things and there's just the difficulty of yeah. social media uh so, attention in these days so what have you learned since making the step to properly promoting and properly marketing your okay, stuff yeah. yeah okay so heaps of stuff so that's again back to indie filmmaking like getting all you guys on board to actually help push the product um is essential to help it succeed and you even see it with big movie stars now like the rock will have in his contract you know you need to post about the film three times this week when it's like you know like the release of the film you know Mm. they use it to like the top level actors now so it goes all the way down to us yeah because like (laughs) um jake gyllenhaal got instagram for spider-man um, Joaquin Phoenix got Instagram for um, Joker. Yeah, it's almost like they have to. And yeah, they, yeah, because some of them are those really arty act- actors that aren't interested in yeah. self-promoting or putting their abs online or whatever yeah. <laughs> people do on Instagram. And I'm almost the same. Like I kind of had it to muck around with when I was, you know, when it first came out, but I never really put anything on there except like cute dog pictures. Um, so like changing to like, okay, this is like a really powerful marketing tool was a lot to learn we did a lot of research um kind of online talked to other indie filmmakers about how they did it and also you just kind of learn from seeing other things on facebook and instagram Mm. of projects in you know brisbane or australia the marketing i talked to um one of the actors from family law oh yeah i know um shu yeah she gave me like kind of rundown of how they did it and how that they as actors were told to promote it and the things to share they would send them assets and say like, this is the thing to share. Don't just sit, share your picture from set, you know, your mm. selfie or whatever. They want this specific thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. the color scheme, palette, the tech, the right font, and all the things that sell, like, what the show is. Mm. So that's part of the thing we took on is, like, you know, we make content, Sean, like, does it up, and we give it to you guys. Like, this is your, you know, character shot. Use this specific yeah. thing. And that really helps you stay on, like, brand of, like, what what is this show? What's the feel of it? Mm. You know, who are these characters? And, you know, what's the tone? Is it funny? Is it dramatic? Whatever it is. That's all wrapped up into that. And then, like, as far as posting, you just uh, try not to annoy people by posting too much, but you want to keep it in their eye and mindset mm. enough. So we kind of post about three times a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for content when we're really running a campaign like right now we're fundraising so we'll do more so and then if it was just uh, kind of a keeping it in people's minds so then they want to watch the online content then maybe you do one post a week yeah right. now um, I want to get back into uh, some questions and um, this is tying back into some questions about marketing and social media and everything mm-hmm. um, what have you learned from your experiences with pitching um, and do you have any advice for others, like first time pitching or any, any differences between a pilot episode or a, a web series or anything? Because you're delving into different um, avenues, I wonder if there's any difference in your approach. 
to pitching. Mm, okay. So we have pitched at 13th Street. We've pitched to, um, you know, basically all the networks you can imagine um, in Australia. So including Stan and Netflix. One time uh, for summer school, which was a project in 2018, if you don't know it. We had like a big panel and we had to pitch to like all of them at once. So you're sitting there like nervous trying to remember like your little speech without, you know, looking at any pieces of paper. So you seem legit hmm. and you've got like six high powered content people that are like all just judging every fiber of your being. So that was fun. It can be intimidating, of course, pitching. Um, first of all, just like anything, you really need to know what your thing is, you know, what is your film project, project, product, whatever the thing is. If you're on Shark Tank, it'd be the same thing, right? Mm. You got to know what it is and why anyone else would want it. So that's in film is knowing your audience. So you need, really need to research who you're in front of uh, with pitching. You know, if you're talking to say SBS, who we pitched you last year as well, they are. Uh, I pitched this summer school. I pitched this show. It's for like kind of young people up to about 40 year olds. It's a key demo. Mm. And so they're like, great, blah, blah, blah. We like this. We like that. We'll watch the pilot link. But just so you know, our core audience is 60 years and older. (laughs) And then we're like, oh yeah, of course. Like who watches normal TV anymore? So unless you're uh, specifically pitching to like four online like channels, like, you know, how they have ABC iView or things like that. Mm then you need to be really careful to even think, is this show, um, you know, anything that a network would be interested in? Because if it doesn't appeal to the older demographic, at least like 40s and over, then they they won't be interested basically because that's who watches their channels and who buys things from the advertisers. So knowing your target market, but also knowing their target market to, yeah. to make sure they match. Because you might not even... You might literally be a waste of time. Yeah. Unless they're looking for online stuff or their new online program. You know how kind of every channel's getting into on-demand stuff? Yeah. Unless that's what the meeting's about, then you might not might not even be worth pitching to ABC or SBS. If they're looking for television content, then you need to make it for the audience that's watching. So that's pretty simple. Knowing what your thing is and then who to sell it to. So if, if that doesn't suit, then you want to be approaching different avenues. Uh, the hardest thing is... For like Netflix and Sand and stuff, you can't really get in the door with them, mm. even though you know everyone young. That's all we watch pretty much, and where yeah. we would want to put our content. There's not really a way in with them unless they come to you. Yeah. Uh, that occasion when I got in front of them was part of a film festival where we got to pitch to all of them. It's like a special event. So um, other than that, and kind of competitions run through the directors and writers guilds, uh, through actor things like that. That's another way to pitch to those kind of executives that actor is in AACTA yeah actor, that's yeah. one of them so yeah. things like that anything that's run by a big organisation or a fund uh, you know like a funding body or a directors or writers guild kind of thing that's mm-hmm. why you get in front of those otherwise you can't really get you know you can't approach them you can't email anyone so yeah your doors that are open all the time are ABC and SBS so as far as just getting your content to someone that matters, that's the only ones you can get to it when you're really at the ground level and no one knows your name yet. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then just think about if they'd even want your content, basically. Would you, um, uh, so maybe with the demographic thing, maybe with the, um, so, f- so for example, do you have, do you have pictures that you sort of keep on, on file? 
let's mm-hmm. say like you get because you might not have the opportunity now to talk to Netflix or whatever yep. um, but you find out that you're going to be able to and you've got that one or two uh, pitches you've got the one or two pitches that you want for them do you yeah. just sort of keep them ready or are you always focusing more so on your latest uh, no there's, like with writers they recommend you have like multiple projects and the more you can get like kind of written to a level where they're kind of ready to go yeah it's better so at the moment we've got our new show Riggleton which you obviously are in um, we've got the old stuff for summer school if if it came up if someone's looking for that kind of thing we've yeah. got all our pitch documents and stuff written yeah I've got um, my first feature that I finished writing that's in early draft stages but I, I could pitch that you know right now if I had to yeah so if you're a creator and a writer you need to know all your different products and how to sell them and the differences between them and who they're for that I would recommend that and the way you do that um, like the industry standard is having like a one page hmm. document so that'll be like your pitch doc you can sometimes um, send that one page out unsolicited and they might actually read it because it's one page, you know, yeah. they glance over it. If something catches their eye, they might read it properly. Then they might ask for the script. So that's something there's to a talent of writing that too. And it's like the specific, you know, concise bits of information like that mm. log line that's got to hook them in and that short synopsis to see, Oh, is this going to go anywhere? And you, so there's all these steps to try and keep them reading. So if you want, uh, you could always post uh, a link to one of our examples of that. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll add people. everything. Uh, I'll add some stuff in the show notes, um, some examples and some links um, to some of Joel's material as a bit of a, a template or an example. Yeah, so and we for did. Anyone, uh, anyone who's uh, looking for a pitch, <laughs> <laughs> we did that course. I don't know if you remember. We ran a course, basic like teaching storytelling for actors. Mm. So we did a lot, of, covered a lot of that in there. So if you want, I can just give you a link to some of the documents we made. Yeah, sounds uh, good. I'll put that in the in the show notes. Cool. Um, so, how did Thirteenth Street Films come around? Did, did that uh, did that arise out of you found your your core crew and you all got along and you wanted to kind of give yourselves a name and kind of codify, or was that how how was that? Uh... Yeah, so it started uh, with basically me returning because I used to live in Europe, did a couple of commercials and stuff there. Went back here and thought, how can I? get network and get into the community I know I'll just go to uni and I'll upskill and do it at the same time mm. so that's why I did that at like 29 so I was like one of the oldest people there Joel looks very young for <laughs> he told me how old he was once and I didn't believe him they never do and I'm hoping that will just continue for my whole life that I'll never look as old as I am yeah so you're not the only, <laughs> you're not the only baby face <laughs> <laughs> so you know Chris Slater right? mm-hmm. he's like the only one who was like anywhere like older than me and he was like 50 so I was like yes at least I'm not the oldest guy and then we all call him dad even me I can get away with it so Chris is lovely <laughs> yeah he's a great bloke but um sorry what was the question again the, que- Ooh, the question was the the origin of oh the, okay so basically I was like okay we, so I need like a brand name like a production company to start with and we made this first year film, uh, which you can see on YouTube called Jehovah. It's a horror comedy. And it just really hit at festivals. We chucked it into festivals. Like, why not? You know? And I was putting my own money behind it because I'm like, yeah, it's pretty, like, it turned out pretty good. And it really hit and picked up and it ended up playing about 15, 16 festivals over like a year or so period. So it's like, oh, we need like a production company name. If we're going to get, get things played at a festival, we kind of want to start like the basics of branding and stuff. So 13 is my favorite number. I'm a tragic sports guy, unlike most filmmakers, love sports. 
played basketball my whole life. That's my jersey number. You choose your number in basketball. Ah, so I chose okay. it. You know, the unlucky 13. Yeah. So I chose it because uh, no one else would ever want it. Mm. Kind of weird thing that I was like, oh, I don't believe in superstitious stuff. I was an atheist from a very young age at a Catholic school. <laughs> so I was number 13. So that's where the name, it doesn't really have any uh, deeper meaning. I just like, oh yeah, that's cool. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, so that's where the name came from. Simple, like kind of smart, memorable name was the idea. Just like, you know, how you, when you think of a band name. Yeah. So like it, I, it appealed to me and I thought it's simple and memorable, you know, people can process what it is. A lot of weird uh, like production companies have odd names that you can't spell. Yeah. And I'm like, how do people Google you? Like, it's a bad move. So that was one of the things I thought about. And I did it. And then it kind of expanded that I kept working with the same great group of people, the same kind of sound guy, the same production designer, which is Sean. And we kind of all became this group uh, organically. I kept wanting those people because they perform well in the, in the crew. Hmm. And it just grew and grew and kept making a lot of content outside of what we had to do for uni. So we were making a lot more than most other students and learning faster, making mistakes making different stuff so that one of the things I set myself as a goal at uni was to make different films not necessarily the exact thing I wanted to make like Mm. push myself so we made like a one shot film we made a 360 you know like a VR film when it was very early days technology and it was like a $400 camera it's like bloody terrible quality it looks like 360p kind of you know what I mean (laughs) because it's stretching that HD over like all the areas of the frame so we kind of co-directed that a couple of mates and me and it was really fun and we did this roulette scene where they're all all the characters at a round table so it worked really well for the shape Ah. of the thing where you could watch each character at any time so things like that we tried I tried kind of every genre you know I did a horror did a drama did a thriller did a you know um, and like I kind of went away from comedy the whole of uni to try all those things but mm. I've always loved comedy and now I'm back into like yeah. almost doing entirely comedy unless employed to do something else Yeah, because it's just where I kind of I'm awkward and I am loud and obnoxious and that's where I belong especially <laughs> if you're writing material and you're kind of playing to your strengths and you're improving on what you've done before and everything it's, it's, it's actually funny you say that about your 13th street um, when I applied for Short and Sweet the last year or the year before, um, basically I had a one-man show and I did everything yeah. in it, and I was the writer, the, yeah, the to make composer, it, and all that. So I had to come up with a theatre group name yeah. or something like that, and I did the exact same thing of like I called it Orphan Collective because I thought it was clever because um, there was only one person in it, which is me. <laughs> That's yeah. actually cool too. It's got a good ring to it. You know, those certain names that like stand out. That sounds like a band. And, and that's funny because that, it stemmed out of like <laughs> yeah. my, cause I've been a musician for okay, a long yeah. time. You do those, you, you like, oh, there's some things that'd be a cool band name. <laughs> that, you do the, you do yeah. that forever. <laughs> um, so I wanted to get a bit, um, a bit broader, um, in terms of, some ch- some things in your um, your personal and professional life, and I, yep. I was curious about what change uh, in your life in the last year or so. It doesn't have to be that strict. Um, has most positively impacted your life? Okay, so that's easy. So it's definitely um, well, it's personal and professional. So Sean that I keep talking about is my girlfriend, and um, we probably got together. A- about a year and a half ago or something like that mm. and it just um, we'd always work together in film and been f- uh, friends she's a production designer and also a writer as well and we just always got along really well and then like kind of things all fell into place where we started it became romantic mm. and I think 
just as far as like in positive influence on my life uh, someone like her is just um, you know amazingly creative so therefore just inspires me as well and just as such a kind funny you know lovely person as well mm. so she's really just uh, a slam dunk according to me because um, yeah you know we can do we can do film we can talk about film all day and uh, she it doesn't drive her insane which is a uh, rare because you know people with relationships outside that art bubble it can really be a strain mm. so that's one thing and yeah I just think um, us working together and our personal life it's just been awesome and made me more positive and made me kind of more hungry to pursue my goals and everything so that's got to be it got to give her props bouncing off her don't show her this yeah. <laughs> right, no one will watch this no one cares <laughs> um now, who or what do you think of when I say success? Mm. So, what do I think of? That's an interesting. Could question. be a person, could be a project, could be uh, oh. time. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like a myriad of things for me because I am like into sports and stuff. So, if I think of someone, something that's like pure like greatness, think of someone like Michael Jordan. Mm. It's just like an absolute phenomenon. Like, clearly head and shoulders above any PR in his field, yeah? And physically. <laughs> uh, no, no, there's taller ones. Really? <laughs> head and shoulders about most of people in well, the is world. Yeah. Is head and shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like people like that, um, filmmaking-wise, someone like Stanley Kubrick, who mm. was such a unique thinker and just such an auto-driven and just like, no, trust me, this is like going to be awesome. And everyone's like, oh, God, he's crazy. You know, you, there's stories of him doing 20 takes of someone like opening a door or putting a prop down or whatever that he had because it wasn't right yet, you know, and like that kind of kind of egomaniacal but like also brilliant. Mm. I guess that's what I kind of aspire to be without offending anyone is <laughs> like being that kind of, obsessed with perfection the idea of perfection is like obviously kind of ridiculous mm. and redundant but also it's like something to chase right and what's a human without some goal and struggle like what do you do i always think it's like sad you know you think of success like people think oh if i won the lotto i'd be happy mm. and i think that's the worst possible thing for you if that's the way you think yeah um so success um for me would be more artistically driven because it's not defined by, you know, you can't just say, oh, Michael Jordan, he won, he's the best. It's it's not the same system with art, you know. Uh, for me, I'm thinking about it as my own fulfillment and then, like, how I can positively affect others, like, in my kind of inner circle and friends, mm. family, whatever. Yeah. Which sounds cliche, but I think it whatever makes you feel rewarded, to me, it's always also the relentless pursuit of improvement. Mm. And like, I always want to make the next idea. I get excited about the next idea while I'm finishing this idea. Mm. And, but I also at the same time want this idea to be amazing. And, um, you know, you never really can make the film exactly how it was in your head. And that's kind of the the chase the dragon thing for a writer director is like, oh, the next one, I'm going to make it closer to what I imagine. Mm. And you want to just pull that margin in and eventually hopefully get to that level where you have industry money and you can kind of almost do exactly what you set out to do which would be cool yeah yeah is that answer it i don't know yeah no (laughs) yeah i totally get what you mean um so we've mentioned this um a few times uh throughout tonight 
Um, but I wanted to talk about it a bit more um, directly. So at the moment, um, you're in the midst of a fundraiser for Riggleton. Can you can you explain a bit yeah. about what Riggleton is? And- so Riggleton is a comedy mockumentary series. Uh, it's about a small town that could be anywhere in Australia. And the, the kind of theme and the <laughs> core of the show is about globalization and like a loss of identity. So... That doesn't. That sounds serious, but it's really fun and silly. Yeah. But that's kind of the theme. That's the core. So this town's kind of bankrupt, in trouble, and they are. Uh, they've got this just useless mayor who's our main character. So he's Clint Riggleton. He's basically royalty. He was you know born to be mayor. His dad was mayor. His granddad was mayor, and his great grandfather before him who started the town, and he's just got this job that he is ill-equipped to kind of do, and it's kind of that you know show like The Office or Parks and Rec where it's this person just kind of out of their depth and that's where the comedy lies and then from there we extrapolate into the townspeople uh, which you know there's 13 main characters which sounds crazy so big ensemble cast all these different weird characters all the kind of local legends you meet in a country town maybe someone's like exactly the kind of person you know it might be he might be like your brother or your uncle or something like that or you might find them completely ridiculous and bizarre, but mm. either way, it's really fun. Uh, you know, we've got um, a town cop who thinks he's like you know the biggest detective in New York, and he runs around with his sheriff's hat on and with his hand on his gun, even though he's solving trivial matters like missing shoes. And you know, we've got a teenage DJ here, which is uh, played by Matt, who you know thinks he's um, DJ Max <laughs> DJ Max Atrillion. Thinks he's Armin Van Buren or one of those, whoever the cool DJ is to reference yeah. these days, I wouldn't know. Some, <laughs> some German house techno guy. Yeah, some Dutch guy or whatever. But uh, yeah, so there's just, a, just this like um, a madhouse of this small town. And then the thing that it's actually about is, will this town lose its identity and what makes all those people unique and sell out? Or will they find a way to come together and keep the town alive and... You know, that uniqueness that you find in a country town that you don't find in, like, big cities Hmm. doesn't all look the same. You know, everywhere we go here, there's, like, the same coffee shops, the same clothing stores, and everything's really just whitewashed and boring. So that's what I loved about the idea, was that's keeping that identity of what makes a town. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're fundraising. We've got less than two weeks to go. If you want to come to the premiere, if you're in Brisbane, it's at New Farm Cinemas, August 8th. So if you buy a ticket to that for 20 bucks, see a lot of our content, meet us, the cast, a lot of other filmmakers, it's a good networking event as well. I'll be there if that's of any benefit. So yeah, it's only 20 bucks. Come and check it out. And uh, that goes towards helping us make the rest of the show. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. I'll uh, add links uh, in the show notes below. So Joel, where can people find you? Where can they find 13th Street? Uh, online where can they say hello alright awesome so on Facebook it's just 13th Street Films so at 13th Street Films if you're tagging it um, same with Welcome to Riggleton it's at Welcome to Riggleton you can also f- probably find that through 13th Street Films which is easier to type in um, on Instagram um, at Joel Steven with the PH that's my, yeah, old school Instagram. And then we also have one for Welcome to Riggleton as well, if you want to check out that content. We have um, a bunch of great little sketches and little short clips to give you a taste of what the show's like, if you're interested. As well as like a big teaser scene that we made as well that's part of the pilot. So you can check that out. 
So I'll have um, I'll have links to uh, the Facebook pages, the Instagram uh, pages, uh, Joel's website, thirteenthstreetfilms.com, mm-hmm. um, his podcast, uh, uh, Inside the Actor's Studio Apartment. That's on the Thirteenth um, Street Film uh, website as well, as well as uh, what, what what platforms you have that on? You have that on uh, Apple Play, whatever the. You can get it on iTunes. iTunes. You can subscribe. And you can just listen to it through SoundCloud. And we post a link on our page if you want to follow us. Every two weeks, there's a new episode. So this week, we just uh, released one talking about all things horror movies, which usually is a fan favorite. So it should be a good one. Mm. And um, uh, since we've got a bit of extra time, um, so 13th Street Films, um, you also do uh, a couple of other, like... So you do... um, some some sketches every now and then and mm-hmm. you do showreel scenes and things like that are there any other so if people want to get involved with you um in in that regard what is there anything you offer in that regard or yeah so we can do showreel scenes so if emerging actors who need more content um you know we get a lot of theater actors who like i want to get into film but i don't really have anything on you know tape on video so we do scenes from only 800 so usually people do two hander scenes they put in 400 each which is nothing um, and you get our crew, which are amazing, yeah, award-winning filmmakers, to shoot your scene for half a day, and um, yeah, that we usually have it all done and handed in to you in a couple of weeks after the shoot. So it's a really great, um, simple service. You can do that. Do you, as, still, do, you just, um, do you do reels as well, still? Uh, as in like editing? Yeah, you can. Yeah, we can edit show reels. Uh, we can do self tapes for you if you want direction or if you just want someone to shoot it. Joel, cut my. One of my first. <laughs> yeah, your show reels. Yeah. Yeah. Always yeah. available for any of that stuff. Um, yeah, if you're an actor also, we'll probably be running our course again, which is uh, Film 101. This is basically teaching you the skills to make your own content. A lot of actors these days with social media and everything, they want to get into making their own content so we can teach you all the basic ways to do that and all the different levels from, you know, shooting it on your iPhone to hiring a little group like us if you want to shoot something at like a professional level quality. So that so, information is usually on Facebook? Yeah, yeah, that's yep. all through our Facebook. It's also a whole course outline on our website. Cool. And, um, you know, an, an actor who came through Film 101 last year in November was shooting his horror film this week. Cool. So it's got to that stage. He's did seven drafts, perfected the script. He's excited to shoot it. So he's, um, you know, putting up the budget for it and he's starring in it mm. and we're shooting it over the next two nights. So it's going to be really exciting and cool to see something come through the program and become, you know, come to life as a film. Yeah, nice. Cool. Well, thanks, Super. Uh, thanks, Heaps, for uh, joining me tonight. Thanks for coming around. And uh, all the links and pages and information um, will be in the show notes below, above whatever platform this is on. Uh, Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. See you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.